Hello everyone, thank you for listening to today's message. My name is Pastor Dwayne Life, lead pastor at the Life Point Community Church. What you're going to hear today is a message from one of our recent services. And we believe that by listening to today's message, you're going to be blessed and encouraged from the Word of God. You're going to be strengthened. And we believe that God's going to speak to you in a very fresh, new, and real way through today's message. So thanks again for listening. Be blessed and encouraged. And we love you. God bless. I'm glad you've chosen to be here today. It's a busy time of year. A lot of stuff's going on. Um, my son Matthew and Tyler, they're in Disney World. I know, I just feel sorry for them today. That was their Christmas gift to each other. So they're in Disney World today. But there's a lot, you know, there's traveling, there's Christmas parties, but I'm glad that you were able to make it out and be with us today as we continue um, in our Advent series. And that's what we're doing today. And so, um, you know, last year, Dwayne did it kind of a family series, and he and I and Mikey shared. And this year we wanted to go a little bit further and just let each, you know, of our, our, our pastoral staff share their heart um, as we go through um, Advent this year. So, so that's what we're doing. Um, we kicked it off last week, and uh, just, as, just as a little review, as a little reminder, Advent, the word Advent, as, and, and it was funny, you know, Dwayne said, somebody said, I thought that Advent, I used to think Advent was for Catholic people, and that wasn't me. That's what I thought. I never, I didn't know any really thing. My family didn't celebrate Advent or any of those kind of things. But um, it's trading money. Yes. But um, it's it's a good thing, I think, because it takes it's it helps us to stop and reflect about Jesus and why He came and His goodness and all the things He brings. So I think Advent is a good thing. It's a, and it does, it means arrival or to come. That's what the word Advent actually means, arrival or to come. So Advent is a season of expectancy. Um, it's a time when we're celebrating um, not only the coming of Christ as a baby to this world, but we're also um, looking forward to the second coming. It's, it's all encapsulated in Advent expecting the celebration of the coming of the Christ child, but also expect it and looking forward to the second coming of Jesus as believers. That's what we have to look forward to. I hope you are. (laughs) I hope you are. We take time to focus on the hope, love, joy, and peace that Christ brought when he came and will bring to complete wholeness when he returns. Those are good things. Those are good things that this world can't offer, right? Last week, Matthew Robertson did a great job kicking off Advent with the promise of hope, um, the hope of Christ, and how the Jewish people um, had hope in the arrival of a long-awaited Savior. But now here we are thousands of years later, and we have hope in a Savior who's coming back again. And that's a good thing, too. And so as he's kicked it off with hope, we're going to turn our attention to love. And as you, you could probably already see, I focused all my songs about the love of Jesus today. And when you start singing about and talking about the love of God, you can't help but get a little sappy and mushy and just, ugh, when you start thinking about the love of God. Because his love is lavish and, and just uh, beyond anything we can imagine. So I wanted to set our hearts up already knowing 
and talking about and singing about that amazing love of God. And I hope you know that love this morning because there's nothing on earth to compare with it. And what's funny is, and, and Duane has said this before, love's a word that um, we throw around a lot. We use it for a lot of different things. So we've, we've said this before, we love pizza, but we also love our family, okay? We, um, I love Christmas, which you already know that, but I also love you guys, and I love Jesus. That's a lot of love, right? <clears throat> Even though I'm using the same word in each of those different scenarios, is loving Jesus and loving pizza the same thing? No, <laughs> it's not. Well, I hope it's not. <laughs> if it is, you might want to take a step back and think about that. It shouldn't be. Today's sermon, if you want to call it a sermon, it's funny. I always feel funny saying what I do is a sermon because I don't feel like I'm a preacher. Um, what I'm going to talk to you about today is very simple. It's very simple. I told Dwayne, I was like, man, this is just really simplistic. But this is really how I feel, how the Holy Spirit gave, you, gave it to me. It's very simplistic. It, it may not be a really exciting jump up and down kind of teaching today, even though the love of God is extremely exciting, and it makes me excited, and it may get you excited today. So feel free. If you get excited, I'm good with it. Thanks. But I think... As I, as I was talking to the Lord and just talking to him, I was like, man, Lord, this really is just kind of simple. They're going to think, that is so simple, Donna. This is how I felt, what I felt like he kind of dropped in my spirit. That it needs to be simple today because it needs to just sink in and settle back in our hearts. Maybe because it is overused so much, that word. God wants us to know the accountability that's behind it when we use it. It's a big word. It's a little word, but it's got a big meaning. There's a lot behind it, and that's what we're going to talk about today, about that love during this Advent season. So we're going to reset our brains, pretending everything you ever thought about what love was. We're going to reset our brains, reboot during this Advent season of Christmas, and we're going to remind ourselves about what love really is and about the, what the real love of God is. Is because I think we have a skewed version. I know that the world certainly does. So as believers, I think we need to make sure if anybody knows what love really is, that we know what it is. Because they're watching us, aren't they? They're watching us. We're remembering that Jesus came to earth to tell us of and show us God's love. God's love is revealed to us through Jesus, and we know that perfect love is coming when he returns. I've got a lot of scripture today because I think it's important that we see that because love is of God, that we see what he says about it. So I've got a lot of scripture, and, and Rachel, I'm just going to rattle it off, so you're just going to have to keep up with me. Um, it's, I think they're all on the screen, and the references, we couldn't fit them all in your bulletin, but the references are there if you want to go back later and look them up. But we're going to start out in Philippians chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. It says, I pray that your love will overflow more and more, and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding, for I want you to understand what really matters, so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ, for this will bring much glory and praise to God. 
Because, see, I believe that when we love the way God loves, that unconditional, no strings attached kind of love, when we love like that, then we begin to understand, like it says, what really matters. And, and, and when we do that, then it brings glory to God. And it's always, what God does is always for our good and his glory. And so that's what we want to make sure we're doing this morning. And the Bible has a pretty comprehensive list um, of what love truly looks like. And it's nothing compared to what the world thinks love is. So we need to look at it. We need to step back and look at it again and, and redefine what God's love is. And how he compel, that same love of God compels us to love each other that same way. And that's the hard part. Because we're not God. But he compels us to do our best to love the way he loves. And over the years, that word has gotten distorted. Because we are fallible and we are human. Remember, love pizza, love Jesus. It's a pretty big difference, isn't it? Pretty skewed between the two of those. So where we find what love is, is in the love chapter. And that's 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's in your, it's in your bulletin, and it'll be on the screen. And we're going to see what God's definition of love really is. Are you ready? You thank you, because it's, it's a lot. Love is patient. They already got me first word. First word got, already got me. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. And it always perseveres. Love never fails. Anybody already feeling a little convicted? Because we know what, that God is love, we can interchange the name God with love in this verse. So if you go back and put God's name in, God is patient. God is kind. We know all this to be true, right? God does not envy, does not boast, and is not proud. He does not dishonor others. We can put God in all those places, and we know that he fulfills every one of those. I've also heard, I think some of you probably saw it on Facebook the other week, and I think Shelby might have posted it, and it was, it was talking about when you're looking for a spouse, plug their name in there and see if they're the kind of person you want to marry. Dwayne is patient. Dwayne is kind. Dwayne does not envy. Dwayne does not boast. See, see, see if that's the kind of person you want to marry. And I, I thought, that is an awesome idea. That's an awesome. Now, here's the hard one, though. Then go back and plug your name in. Donna is patient. Donna is kind. Don, Donna, Donna does not envy. Donna doesn't. And then see how it lands. See if love is coming through you the way it's talking about in 1 Corinthians. Because that is very convicting. It really makes you stop and think if you're really showing that kind of love or not. Because I know when I go through this list... I get, I get some pretty hard punches in the chest about some things I need to work on when it comes to love. And, and you probably do too, because none of us are perfect. 
It's a pretty detailed list, so today we're going to focus on just a few. I can't go through all of those, even though it, I probably need to for my own sake. We're going to go through a few of them, some of them that I know I struggle with and you probably do too. So I had to go through and just kind of let the Holy Spirit lead me on the ones that we're going to address today. So since we know we can interchange the words love and God, if you haven't already done it, you can fill in your first blank with God is love, period. God is love. Whatever you see in him and in his character, that is love. 1 John 4, 8. It's going to be on the screen. But anyone who does not love God, does not love, does not know God, for God is love. So that means if you can't love people, then you don't know God. And if you don't know God, then you can't really love people. Now, there are lots of people who aren't believers in Christ who love. They tell you they love you and and they, they love their spouse. But I'm telling you, they cannot truly love like God loves if they don't know God. It's a whole other level of love when you know who Jesus is. There's no love like it. So we're going to dig in and we're going to find out how to love like God does. Are you ready? Okay. From the original fall of man, back when Adam messed up, God has been doing his best to point us back in the right direction. And we haven't done a very good job of listening, have we? If you look all the way back to Noah, to the modern time, over and over again, God has continued to try and save us from our own ignorance and our own sin. Um, and did you ever stop, and I was thinking about this, did you ever stop and think, remember how it long it took Noah to build the ark? Do you, you ever stop and think maybe God was intentional about that because he was just, he was giving these people time to come back to him so that they could be saved and get on the boat with Noah? Did you ever think about that? This was a big old boat. The time it took for Noah to build the ark fell into God's patient plan for people to repent and come back to him so that they might get on the boat and be saved from the flood along with Noah's family. He was giving them time. And over and over again, the Israelites failed God. We know the story of them in the wilderness and and even beyond that, how he was continually and patiently having to lead and guide and even rescue them over and over again. It's kind of funny that the scripture we're going to put up is Acts 13 and 18. I find it a little comical because it says, he put up with them through 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. Do you ever feel like God just puts up with you sometimes? Yeah, I think so too. And he does. He does the same for us today because we consistently fail him. I know I do. Maybe you're perfect and you do great every day, but I don't. I don't. I fail him every day. And he patiently corrects, directs, and rescues us. 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord isn't really be, uh, being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. Aren't you glad you serve a patient God this morning? The question is, do we do the same thing for the people who are in our lives? That is probably, patience is probably one of my biggest struggles. It absolutely is. And some of you may be the same way. Um, Instead of losing our cool, because if you remember back in 1 Corinthians, slow to anger was one of the characteristics of love, too. So instead of losing our cool sometimes, do we try and lead, guide, and rescue those in our lives who are rubbing us the wrong way? 
Do we correct and direct or do we fly off the handle? Because they aren't cooperating with our way of thinking or our way of doing things. John 1.19 says, Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. So what it all boils down to is we lose patience, don't we? We lose patience. We get cranky when people don't adhere to the way we think things should be. And you know what? Sometimes we're right, and they're wrong. And, And for a fact, we're right and they're wrong. But what it all boils down to, we react because they aren't doing or seeing things our way. And we get mad and we fly off the handle and we're, and we're impatient with them when in fact, how often do we not do things God's way? And guess what? God's always right. And yet he continues to be patient with us, doesn't he? He hasn't, he hasn't zapped me out yet for not making the right decision. He's just patient with me. He probably just shakes his head. Donna, Donna, Donna. Our reaction is our choice, right? We control how we react to things. So here we go. I want you to write this down. Here's your first one. So simple. God is patient. Therefore, love is patient. So guess what? We should be patient. God's in it for the long haul with you. No matter how bad you mess up, and we should be the same way. We're so easy to throw in the towel when things don't go our way. God's in the long haul. We should be the same way. We're in it for the long haul. We're going to be patient with those around us and show the love of God. You know, it, it, I told you this all sounds very simple. And as we go through this, you're probably going to even think it's a little bit redundant as you start filling in the blanks. But maybe God wants it simple for us for a reason. He wants us to grasp what love is today. Not wait another day, but he wants us to grasp what love is today. Because there's no better season than right now to begin showing the love of God to a lost world. Because I'm telling you, what wins people to Jesus is love. Man, I heard, this this came to my mind, I heard this story this past week friend of mine, she has a son who has come out and pronounced himself that he's homosexual. And um, he had come home for Thanksgiving and they were going to another family member's house and they were running a little late and she told her son, why don't you go on over and we'll be behind you. And he said, Mom, I don't want to go over by myself. He said, do you know that ever since I told them that, uh, since I shared with everybody that I'm gay, that they unfriended me on Facebook and Stop talking to me. But that's what the world sees. They don't see the love of Jesus. They see our hate for people. And that's not love. Listen, we can't help the choices people make. People are going to sin and people are going to mess up. All God told us to do is to love. To love them. We don't have to agree with them. But we got to love them. Do you think that young man wants anything to do with Jesus right now? No. And, he, and he'll say that. 
He'll say, why would I want what they want when they treat me that way? My friends who are non-believers treat me better than that. That's what the world sees. We're called to love. So all the next fill in the blanks will be basically the same thing. It's going to go ahead and give you a heads up. Spoiler alert. Um, but I truly think it's because God wants it to sink in so that we think before we use the word love so flippantly. There's a lot of accountability behind that word. And we would be real careful if we're going to use it. You know, God, he's so good. He's always thinking of the needs of his children. And as, if you're a parent, you know how that is. Um, I know we can write with that. There's, there's a lot of things that we've done in the past, um, um, that we've done without in the past, because maybe our children needed something. You guys have probably been there before, too. You decide to do without something in order for your child to have something. Because we love them that much. And, and God's always interested in the needs of his children. And he puts our needs very high. Um, and there's a lot of, uh, so like I said, there's a lot of things. We do the same thing for our own children. God loves us and we're important to him. Did you know that? Did you know you're important to God? On days when you don't feel like you're all that, you're important to God. He loves you. Even when things seem to be going bad, he's working out things for our good. He sees the big picture, and he's always thinking of us and what is best for us. He sent his only son, for goodness sake. That's a lot of love, wouldn't you say? And he sent him from the perfect splendor of heaven to an imperfect world and to a dirty stable. Hey, here's a question. How many of you would leave your home, which doesn't even compare to heaven, to live in a place that was cold and dirty? Anybody? Any volunteers? How about this? Would you send your child there? Then he allowed his son to live on this planet for 33 years to be ridiculed, persecuted, and homeless. Would you do that? Send your child into a place where you know they were going to be ridiculed and persecuted and without a home. Then ultimately giving the life of his son through beatings and torture and finally death on the cross. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. It's John 3, 16. It's one of the most quoted scriptures, but it really shows how much God loved us. And it's real easy, we, like I said, because it's so quoted, I think it's real easy to just read through it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. We've heard it since we were in Sunday school. Little kids. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. He loved you. He wanted you to live forever with him, so he gave up the life of his only son. None of you would do that for me, and I wouldn't do it for you. But that's the love of God. And the kicker is, what makes it even more amazing is that he did it for a world that rejected him. It's hard enough doing it for people that love you. How much harder for people who reject you, don't even believe who you are, don't even accept who you are. 
Romans 5.8 says, But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And I doubt any of us would do that, and especially you wouldn't give up your child to do that. Fortunately for us that God has not required us to be selfless to that extent. I don't think he's called on any of us yet to sacrifice our child for somebody's salvation. But nevertheless, he has called us to be selfless. And that is not popular right now in this world. (laughs) Putting others' needs before our own, giving our time, talent, and treasure so that God may be glorified and people who have rejected him and come to know him. It's not popular because we're in a very much me, me, me kind of world right now. So write this down. It's going to sound familiar. God is not self-seeking, selfish. Therefore, love is not selfish, so we should not be selfish. See, he gave his life so that we could have life. And you may... you know, we, we, I think sometimes we have a different idea of selfish, too. You know, about, well, I share. I, you know, because as we teach our kids, you got to share. But it's so much more than that. It is putting somebody else before you. Putting their needs before yours. Making what they need more important than what you need. It's, it's, it's so much more. Philippians 2 and 3 says we shouldn't be selfish but we should be humble and think of others better than ourselves. How often do we do that, especially those that we truly love? And I think, and I really do think that. I think those people that are closest to us, the ones that we really do love, I think sometimes because we're close to them and they're, we're with them all the time, that maybe they're the ones who miss out on that the most sometimes because it's just kind of taken for granted. It's not always easy, but what we are called to do if we want to show the true love of God. Our society is selfish. But the love of God is calling us to be just the opposite. And that's to be selfless. And and that's the way it usually works, because we're aliens in a foreign land. This is not our home, right? So we're, we're always called to be different. So in a society that's saying, I'm number one, take care of me first, God is saying, no, 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 no. I'm at the bottom. Your needs come first. I'm the servant. What can I do for you? It's a totally different mindset than what this world tells us. So we're called. We're called not to be selfish people. You and I are all guilty of bringing up past wrongs too. Okay, and if you're married, you, can, you, you probably already thought of a time when you did that. Um, Bringing up past wrongs done to us just to get a jab at somebody. We've all done it. I don't think there's anybody in here who can say, I've never done that before, bringing up a past wrong um, that somebody has done to you. It's easy to point out people's past failures and mistakes to make ourselves feel better. Or just to hurt the other person because they hurt us. Or maybe just to attempt to prove a point or to win and argue it. Anybody else besides me ever done that before? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Fortunately for us, God doesn't do that. 
Can you imagine if God started pointing out our past wrongs? He'd be busy. <laughs> Just saying, be busy. Even in the Old Testament, before Jesus came, think about it, through animal sacrifice, he was finding a way to cover the sins of his people so he wouldn't have to see them. But that was only a temporary fix. By sending Jesus to earth, he was able to show people how to live, love, and forgive. And even on the cross, remember when Jesus asked God to forgive the very people that were crucifying, he said, they don't know what they're doing, Lord. Just forgive them. That's the kind of love that God's calling us to. Then through the ultimate death on the cross, he covered our sin once and for all and replaced it with his righteousness so that the Father would never remember our sin again. His blood covers it. It's cast into the sea of forgetfulness, never to be remembered. It is cast as far as the east is from the west. Romans 8.1 says, So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Once you give it to him and he forgives your sin, he's not going to go back and say, Amber, remember that time? It's gone. Never to be remembered again. God calls us to forgive and let it go. We can't help what other people do, but we do control what we do. We can forgive because God calls us to forgive. We can let it go. We can leave it in the past where it belongs because this is for our own good. We're only hurting ourselves when we don't let go of these things and at the same time point others to Christ through our example. It blows people's minds when they know that somebody has done something wrong to you and you've moved on. They may have never asked you for forgiveness. They may have never, may have never fixed it. But we move on. Write this down. God keeps no record of wrongs. Hallelujah. Therefore, love keeps no record of wrongs, so we should keep no record of wrongs. God blots out, blots out our sin. Now, we don't have the mind of God that we can forget. So we have to make a conscious choice. To do it. God's not going to bring it back up and throw it in our face. So we should leave the past in the past and move forward if we really love. Is it easy all the time? No. We have to be, like I said, we have to be intentional and make a conscious effort to do it. But who are we to go back to somebody that we say we love and say, remember that time? Hey, remember when you did that to me? just to make ourselves feel better or to make a point or win an argument or whatever the case may be. Bad idea. Not the love of God. God doesn't do it to us. We're not supposed to do it any, to anybody else. Micah 7.18 Where is another God like you who pardons the guilt of the remnant overlooking the sins of his people? Will you not stay angry with your people forever because you delight in showing unfailing love. And that's the kind of love we should have. Is it easy? No. But that's the kind of love God calls us to. So the next time you say, I love you, is this backing it up? You're keeping no record of wrongs. You're not being selfish. You're very patient. <laughs> God's so good. 
And what's cool about God is he's always, always, always working things out for our good. He protects our heart and he wants to protect our soul. And he's always trying to point us in the right direction to keep us away from evil and protect us from the enemy. If only we would listen. We get ourselves in more trouble right smack dab in the middle of enemy territory because we don't listen. We think we know better. We don't follow his commands. And he's, here's God. He's got all the good plans over here. He's got all the right direction to keep us away from this junk. And we don't listen. He loves us and is trying to work things out for us. Second John 1, 6. Love means doing what God has commanded us. And guess what? He has commanded us to love one another just as you heard from the beginning. <laughs> Through his word, God gives us direction on how to live a blessed, abundant life. We settle for second best because we think we know better so many times. And everything is in his word that he's laid out for us, how to make the right plans and do the right thing and make the right choices and go in the right direction and be with the right people. And it goes on and on and on. And we always think we know better for some reason and we get in a big mess because of it. He gives direction on how to defeat the enemy. Psalm, in the Psalms it says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light into my path. And also... We've got his word. Here's another thing I think a lot of us struggle with. If we could learn to receive godly advice from those who are a little farther along in their Christian walk than we are, or who are over us in the Lord, we're not, not always good about taking advice. Sometimes they may have to call us out on bad decisions or just point us in the right direction when we're beginning to take the wrong direction. God uses people to help us as well. We need to make sure that they're the right people. You've observed their walk, they're bearing fruit, that you know they're godly people and they love the Lord. To follow their direction. Proverbs 19 and 20 says, listen to advice and accept discipline. Anybody good about accepting discipline? And at the end, you'll be counted among the wise. So, God gives us his word to point us in the right direction. God gives us people to help us go in the right direction. Finally, if we would truly understand the importance of being connected to the body of Christ, making church a priority instead of an option, we would realize how through it we are encouraged and discipled so that we might grow spiritually mature and strong in the Lord. He knew we needed each other. We needed each other to grow strong. Let's be connected, be encouraged. Psalm 91, 9 through 11. I love this. If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home, for he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. So God protects us in so many ways. He protects us through his word. He protects us through other people. And he protects us through the body of Christ, the church. And guess what? Once again, we should be doing the same thing for other people. And I don't mean just protecting them physically. That's the easy part. Even more important, we should be doing our best to protect the hearts and souls of other people. Like, how do you do that? 
If we truly have the love of Christ, then we should wish that no one comes to harm, whether it be spiritually, physically, emotionally, or in any other way. We are not to be a stumbling block, but a protector of others as God's ambassadors, showing them the love of Jesus. Our attitudes, our actions, the words we say, the things we do can be hurtful and hateful. And that is not protecting the hearts of other people. And that is not showing the love of God. And again, some of the people that we're closest to that we believe that we love the most are the ones that sometimes those things come out against. And that's not what we're called to do. Protecting their hearts and their spirits and being an ambassador of God. Write this down. God always protects. Therefore, love always protects, so we should always protect. Keeping people safe, keeping their hearts safe, their feelings safe, their, their spirit safe, a safe place. He takes care of us, so we should take care of one another. Isn't that a novel idea? Not bringing hurt to one another, but taking care of one another. If an outside world sees us bashing and hating and hurting, do you think they're ever going to want God? No. But they see us protecting and shielding. Ugh. That's what they want to see. This love stuff, it's a high calling. It's a high calling as a believer, the love of God. Like I said, we've knocked it way down here to the world's standards. The love of God is a high calling for the believer. And we've got to reset our minds and reboot our minds to what love really is if we're going to use that word. It's a big deal. Aren't you glad God didn't give up on you? I'm... Yeah, aren't you... It's like, uh uh-huh. He kept tugging at your heart, kept convicting you, drawing you by the power of his Holy Spirit. He didn't say, oh, you're, uh, they're a lost cause. They don't measure up. They don't, they don't listen. They just keep messing up. They just don't get it. He didn't do any of those things, did he? He kept drawing you. Now, you might have kept saying no, but I guarantee you he kept pulling. And he kept drawing through people and through circumstances and just through that little you just feel that little, mm, right in here. And you knew what it was. He, from the beginning, God has been persistent with a plan to bring his creation back to himself and to bridge the gap between God and man. Man, I don't know what I'd do if there was a gap between me and Jesus. I need him so much every day just to make it through the day sometimes. And when I know I have that constant Connection with him, there's not a gap between me and Jesus. I don't know how people do it. Because I need him so much, but God did everything he do, did he could do to bridge the gap between God and man. Second Corinthians 5:19. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them, and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. He gave to us so that we could do the same thing, reconcile. 
Through the ages, God has plugged away at mankind with warnings from the prophets. He brought provision and revealed himself through great men like Joseph and Moses and Joshua and David. And because he couldn't and wouldn't give up on us, because he loves us so much, he sent Jesus, his only son, to show us how to live and how to love, to be an example and point us back to God. And then he sacrificed his life so that we can have life. God would not and will not give up on us. And we should show love that same way. Persevere in our walk with Christ in the good and the bad times. Never think of anyone as a lost cause. Show God's love by persistently showing kindness and sharing Jesus and praying for all who are lost. Not just your good friends and the people you like. For all who are lost. Man, it's, it has pierced my heart sometime when I've, I've heard people say harsh words like that, like they can, the devil can just have them. That's not the love of Jesus. That is being like Jesus because God perseveres. Therefore, love perseveres. So we should persevere. Persevere. He never gives up on us. He never, exactly. Thank you, Lord. Because I don't know about you, I'm still a work in progress. And he still hasn't given up on me. On the days I mess up, he knows he's still working on me. And we need to remember where we came from and where he brought us to, and that there are people who need that same deliverance. And God has been persevering to bring them back to him and we are called to do the same thing we don't give up we don't throw in the towel that shows how much we love God and how much we love other people when we persevere I've shared this story for with you guys before my grandfather remember always um, y'all remember this I always said he was a stinker he was a stinker my grandfather was he did not give his heart to the Lord till he was 94 years old. 94. And I remember my grandmother, who had every biblical right to walk away from that marriage, never did. And this is what she would say. She's like, God's going to save him. God's going to save him. Don't give up. God's going to save him. Now, he missed out on an abundant life in Christ because he waited so long, but... She didn't give up. She stuck it out. She prayed for him. And at the age of 94, about three or four months before he died, he gave his heart to the Lord. Don't give up. She loved My grandmother, she loved God and she loved people. Don't give up because the love of God doesn't give up. Love is a high calling. Love is a high calling. And this Advent, this Christmas season, we see the love of God when he sent Jesus to earth. And it should be a reminder to us of how we should love. And it's a high calling. And it's hard. But we got to try. we got to try. So down at the bottom of your bulletin, you'll kind of see your take home. How to make sure you're receiving and giving the love of God to be able to show the love of God. I want you to write this down. To be able to show the love of God, number one, stay connected to Christ and his body, the church. And you know, Dwayne and I have said this before, a lot of people say you just say that because you're a pastor and you want people to come to church and fill up the church. And you know what? Yes, we do. But not for the reasons you think. 
We want people to come and be connected to the body and come to church because we know what God did in our own lives. And we want that for every one of you. And every person who will enter this building, we know what being connected to the body means. God created the church for us. John 15, verses 5 and 9, says, Yes, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Those who remain in me, and I in them, will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. Want to learn how to love? Go to church. Be a part of the body. Man, some of the greatest love I receive is right in, amongst you guys. The love that I feel from you. Number two, study his word. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. Listen, you want to know how God loved? Then you've got to learn his character and strive to be like him. And that's what you find in his love letter, the Bible, is the love of God from Genesis to Revelation. You want to learn? That Romans 15, 4 says, Such things were written in the scriptures long ago to teach us. And the scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promise to be fulfilled. We study his word. We see the love of God fulfilled through Jesus and throughout the entire Bible. And it shows us the kind of love we should have. Number three, live in obedience to Christ. Whew. Yeah. John 15, 10 says, when you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. Just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love, God will only direct you to do things that show his love. So do it his way and show that you truly love him by obeying him. Listen to God and do what he says. That shows you love him. And when you do what he says, he can only show love. So you're showing his love by being obedient and doing exactly what he's telling you to do. Live in obedience to Christ. Number four. Trust God. This comes up so many times. Just trust him. 1 John 4, 16, we know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. You have to learn, and you have to know and trust God in order to live and love like he commands us to, even when it's hard. You have to trust him because he's going to call you to love in situations that aren't going to be easy and you're going to be like, I don't understand why you're asking me to love in this situation, God. Don't, don't worry about it. Just trust him and do it anyway and watch him work through you and what, watch what things come out of that because you just trust God. Take him at his word. That's just crazy, isn't it? He says it, so I'm just going to trust him because he knows what's best. And then the last one is love others. So we've been talking about 1 John 4, 7 and 8. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from who? God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. To be able to show God's love, we have to be intentional about loving people. It may not come natural and it may not be easy, but as believers, we have to be about the business of showing this kind of love because love is what wins people to God. Not bashing, not shaking your finger in their face, not telling them they're sinners and going to hell, not telling them all the things they're doing wrong because they already know anyway. It's loving them in spite, just like God does. He loves you in spite, doesn't he, of who you are and what you've done. And that's what he's calling us to do. And that, that kind of love is what's going to win people to Jesus. 
So this is my challenge to you. We're wrapping up. My challenge to you for this Advent season is to look back at 1 Corinthians 13. Plug your name in where it says love. And see if you're loving the way Christ does. Because there's a lot more in that list too that may hit home with you. I know they do with me. Plug your name in there. See if you're loving the way Christ loves because if he is living in you, if you claim to be a believer and you say God lives in you and you are filled with his Holy Spirit, this is the way we're supposed to be loving. And what's funny is if you read the love chapter and you also look at the fruit of the Spirit, very, very close. Because that's the only way we can love that way anyway is by the power of the Holy Spirit living in us. So that is your challenge for this Christmas season. Listen, we should be doing it all year long, but now is prime time. There are people who will come to church or do things of that nature during this season that nobody want any other time of year. Their hearts are softened and they're ready to hear this is prime time to share the love of Jesus during Christmas and throughout the year. But man, take advantage of this season to do that. And if you don't know... Jesus, this morning, if you're not a believer and this love it just seems foreign to you, I would invite you, before you leave this place, to ask him into your heart. To ask him to be your savior. To tell him you want him to be Lord of your life. Let's pray. Lord, you're a great big God. And you are love. You are the epitome of love. Your love embodied. When we see you, when we see your character, when we see what you've put in your word, we see love. A rhythm of love just sown throughout the whole Bible. Dear God, I pray today if there's one who doesn't know you, that even while I'm speaking these words, that they would speak these words. They would say, Lord, I love you. Lord, I want to live for you. I want this kind of love that you offer so that I can love others the way you love. Jesus, come into my heart. Be Lord of my life. Save me from my sins and help me to live for you all of the days of my life. Man, if you'll just speak those and mean it in your heart today, then you'll be a child of God. Father, I pray that as we went through this list in 1 Corinthians of what love really is, Lord, I know. I know me personally, and I'm sure many here, there are at least one, if not more, of those characteristics of love that we struggle with. Dear God, but we want to be ambassadors of your love to a lost world, so help us, Lord, to be intentional, to stop and think if we're exhibiting the love that 1 Corinthians describes, so that we can win people for you through the love of God. Convict our hearts of that, Lord, and help us, yes, to be intentional, to be on purpose, to be on mission, to love people with the love of Jesus. And Father, during this season, don't let us be so distracted by the stuff, the parties, the presents, and just all the happenings that are going on that we don't take time to celebrate your love, the ultimate love that you gave your one and only Son so that we can live in heaven with you forever, Lord. God, thank you for this time you've given us, Lord. Pray you bless this congregation immensely, Lord. Help them to feel your love like they never have and to show your love like they never have, dear God. To work in us and through us and just use us for your glory, Lord. We love you. 
And we thank you for the love that you give us. In Jesus' name.